Support for the WSHU podcast Off the Path comes from Webster Private Bank with personalized wealth management services to help clients move forward confidently. WebsterBank.com slash private banking, member FDIC. And from Au Pair in America, cultural exchange childcare for more than 30 years. AuPairInAmerica.com. An eccentric 19th century New Yorker had a strange fascination. He wanted to bring every bird mentioned in Shakespeare's plays to North America. He was very successful with one of them. A little too successful. And it all began in Manhattan's Central Park. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I travel in search of the unusual and under-the-radar stories from New York to Boston. There are 200 million starlings in North America. They're obnoxious, aggressive little black birds that swarm the countryside and eat everything. They fly around in flocks called murmurations. Julia Zacchello works in the American Museum of Natural History, across the street from a popular starling hangout, Central Park. She looked out her office window one day and noticed them on the museum lawn probing into the ground, eating invertebrates, and flying up into our trees. And that's when I started to wonder about this bird. She found out starlings are native to Europe. They were introduced on this continent in 1890 by a drug manufacturer named Eugene Schieffelin. He had two loves, Shakespeare and birds. So he wanted every bird in Shakespeare's play to be here in Central Park. First, he let loose hundreds of sparrows, like some other bird lovers had already done. There's a memorable ode to the bird in Hamlet. That is special providence in the fall of a sparrow. Schieffelin released one batch of sparrows in the yard of the poet, William Cullen Bryant, who then wrote a poem to honor the bird's introduction to North America. A winged settler has taken his place with Teutons and men of Celtic race. He has followed their path to our hemisphere, the old world sparrow at last is here. Then Schieffelin tried the nightingale and the lark, famously mentioned in a romantic scene from Romeo and Juliet. It was the nightingale and not the lark that pierced the fearful hollow of thine ear. He didn't have much luck with those. But then he turned to starlings. The bird is mentioned only once in Henry IV, Part One. The rebellious Hotspur insults a fellow noble early in the play. May I have a starling shall be taught to speak nothing but Mortimer and give it him to keep his anger still in motion. Schieffelin decided to release dozens of starlings in Central Park in 1890. He released some more the following year. Julia Zacchello says these kinds of grand gestures were typical of amateur scientists at the time who tended to have a limited view of humanity's effect on the natural world. They didn't know anything about invasive species and, you know, they wanted to make different parts of the world look the way their part of the world looked um, to make them sort of enjoy all the flora and fauna and be happy here in New York. Julia says most of Schieffelin's starlings probably starved or froze to death in the New York winters. But enough survived. Bird watchers spotted the first nesting pair in the eaves of the American Museum of Natural History. They love to nest, you know, on ledges of buildings and also in um, holes in trees. Uh, so the museum was a perfect first place for them to uh, take up residence. 
Starlings quickly spread west across the huge tracts of newly deforested land in the Midwest and the Plains states. They reached California by around 1940, moving across the sky in dramatic form. But starlings can be dangerous. A plane took off from Boston's Logan Airport in 1960, and it flew straight into a flock of about 10,000 starlings. The plane crashed and 62 people died. It remains the worst U.S. plane disaster caused by birds. Starlings also spread diseases like E. coli to humans and livestock, and they decimate crops. One flock can strip an entire wheat field. Scientists estimate starlings cost the U.S. agriculture industry about $800 million a year. So yeah, it is, a, it is a serious conservation issue to have these birds over here, just from this one idea that someone had to have every bird in Shakespeare's play here. And they're no fun to be around if you're any kind of bird other than a starling. They especially like to harass chickadees, woodpeckers, and swallows. They outcompete native birds for shelter. And um, because they're aggressive, they outcompete them for some food sources. Don't take this the wrong way, but they, they kind of sound like jerks. Yeah, I always say they're badasses, but, uh, you know, take that how you want. <laughs> Julia and I walk through Central Park and try to catch a glimpse of a few starlings. But it's a cold winter day, and there aren't many birds. Then she spots a few dozen black birds in a tree near an entrance to Central Park. Yeah, that's definitely them over there. Not too far away from uh, where they were originally introduced. Exactly. Some people just have a hard time leaving the city. I'm one of those people, too. (laughs) Julia Zakello says starlings have adapted to life in North America, just like the Europeans who brought them here. People wonder why Homo sapiens are such a successful species. And one of the reasons is because, you know, we're, we're very good at adapting to new environments. Which means... Starlings may be hanging around here as long as humans, or longer. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I'm on the road to find stories that might surprise you, from New York to Boston. 